Pedro boys with Pete and Josh. I decided to go aggro. I thought aggro would be cool for this intro. Um, I think that I'm really running out of ideas of how to yell. Toxic masculinity that in the one episode where we have you know a female protagonist that's like a badass, you have to yell and pump your chest and be like, "Oh, I'm Big Bad Josh." Yeah, you got me. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm Pete, um, current winner of <laughs> the Pedro Boys cancel off, which we started last week. <laughs> Hashtag you're canceled. Um, Ugh. It's Pedro Boys. It's Pedro uh, Boys. Chapter four. Chapter sanctuary, right? Four sanctuary. But not the sanctuary. It was the child. The sin. Yeah, very sanctuary. confusing because... But it could have been the sanctuary. On, it was only on Wikipedia, there is sanctuary, which is from Legends. And then mm. they're like, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where? And then mm. they're like, I think you meant Mandalorian Chapter 4. Mm. And then I clicked on that. One of my, well, what I'm looking at says sanctuary is a place where all men and women and people regardless of gender or race or any kind of constructs oh wait i'm on wokeopedia oh so i'm actually on the I one came up with that joke 15 seconds ago and i just had to say it and i'm so proud of myself and i'm on the one where I'm it's canceled. like no, I am myself. your father. Warning. I'm myself. We've got major spoilers for chapter four, subtitled Sanctuary, which is the fourth episode, first season of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So you want to just get straight into it? I mean, we're really grasping yeah, so really at straws. I really to get something for that great joke I made. It's too late in the day. Too late in the day. Yeah. I can't yeah. argue with that. So, well, never mind. All right. Um, so the official description um, is... The official description is, it's Seven Samurai again, guys. <laughs> hey, um, let's protect some village, guys. Oh, man, we got to see... It keeps, all right. Anyway, um, the Mandalorian teams up with an ex-soldier to protect a village from raiders. Bum, bum, bum. And that's, I mean, that's, again... They're not lying. That's pretty true. Yeah, Mandalorian shows up on a unnamed planet. No, 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 no. It's named. Is it? It's the. It's oh, that's the, right. It is. They do say the name of it. It's like Sorgan. Yeah. Which is like I'm yeah. like, oh, cool. We're naming this dumb planet after a bean. Yeah. Yeah. So gets in a fight with Giancarlo. Um, gets in a fight with Cara Dune. Yeah. Which great uh, fight. A very interesting fight. I was um, big into it. A mutual friend um, of ours was like, did she really just punch his best car steel helmet? That's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, dang, you just punching that helmet. It's like the helmet's obviously not doing anything, but I felt like she was winning. Well, no, I mean, I think if you. Yeah, I think if you're punching the helmet, you could get concussed. They I mean. Not for our family friendly podcast. But there are political figures throughout history. There's one, Steve Biko, I think his name was. He was a, he was a political uh, 
personality in South Africa, I'm slaughtering this. But he was uh-huh. killed in such a way that involved a torture that concussed the brain. And I think punching the helmet probably is a vaguely similar effect in that you punch the helmet, the helmet jostles your head, your brain jostles around your skull. You know, it could do some damage. Oh, yeah, it can definitely do some damage. Um, good fight, though. I don't know. She punched him real good. Well, I've actually, I'm curious. I mean, Josh and I, when we started this podcast, one of the main reasons was so that we have to stop, we can stop listening to other podcasts. Um, so I have no idea what other people's takes are on this, but I'd be curious to see if somebody has a scoreboard of how many times the Mandalorian's been clowned. He's clowned left and right. Yeah. It's what I love about him at this point. Yeah. The clown track. Because he gets mm-hmm. clowned by her, like, real good. Oh, yeah. And then... He has predator vision, and she still clowns him. And he tries to light her out on fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, fire! Nope. <laughs> Clowned you, punk. <laughs> He's like, I will burn you alive! And she's like, who's, who's this guy? <laughs> I will literally step on you. <laughs> I will step on your fire. Oh man, that that part was like, <laughs> what is wrong with him? <laughs> like he, he tries to solve all of his problems <laughs> with like lighting somebody on fire. And so it, and it, it took me a minute to catch up to why that fight was happening. But in hindsight, it does kind of add up in that, you know, he walks into a bar. She, you know, I'm sure not it, not that difficult for her to tag him as like, oh, he's a bounty hunter. And I guess she is also a bounty hunter. She's a mercenary. Like post- and then oh, yeah. she thinks that there's a bounty on her head. Right. So there, right. we don't so know. She's her, we, there for her. We, we don't know much of her backstory. It's never explained why she thinks somebody's after her. Um, but before we get on, it does have um, the meme that has been like trending on Twitter, mm-hmm. which is little Yanni um, sipping his uh, soup, watching slurp, slurp. them. Slurp, slurp. Um, which is one of my favorite favorite gifts right now. It was really awkward for Thanksgiving, though, because um, like Saturday, this past Saturday, I, um, they were like, hey, what do you what, what should we have for dinner or family? And then I just sent that and I really didn't want soup. Um, but, uh, um, lo and behold, they took that literally, so. Nice. um, Did you wind up watching any Mandalorian with your family over Thanksgiving? I, um, (laughs) I tricked my family twice. (laughs) Um, I, to my father, I was like, hey, have you checked out this show yet? And I was acting like I'd never seen it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so he was like very excited because. My dad, he doesn't like he'll watch episode nine once Wait, and he'll never watch it again. Your dad doesn't listen to the podcast. He does not listen to the podcast. He only listens what? when a family member tells him that I made a comment about him. Like we have this running thing where on his birthday oh my or my birthday or Father's Day, I send him cats in the cradle. Mm-hmm. Um, just I just bought it on iTunes, but <laughs> um, he only listens when. Like, I make some reference to um, our father-son issues. Um, Ugh, I <laughs> cannot then, believe Pete Sr. doesn't listen to the pod. And um, he was very disappointed when he's like, you acted like you hadn't watched this before. And I'm like, oh, I did? 
Because we, we, we watched three episodes, so that's like two nice. hours of TV. Um, nice. He was actually really upset that you never see um, Pedro Pascal, and he's like, that's not acting. And I'm like, okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, All right, Pete Sr., you need to come on the pod. No, that's okay. You need um, to get Pete Sr. on the pod. And we got to have some words. And then Thanksgiving. As a good actor. Thanksgiving Day, I don't know how your Thanksgivings are, but mine are normally spent watching football. Uh-huh. And I have a bunch of cousins that ha- don't have Disney Plus. So when everybody was eating, I'm like, why don't we finish up early and then we can go watch. And then we just hogged the Mandalorian for like two episodes. Um, nice. And people kept trying to talk about like their family issues and things. <laughs> and I'm like, and I just kept saying over and over you, again. You have issues? Yanni has no one. I, I kept saying this over and over again. Hey, this part's really good. Can you just give me 30 <laughs> seconds? And it, oh my God, it literally, <laughs> literally any part like it didn't matter. I'm like, this is a really good part. You should just stop talking for like 30 seconds. Oh and then they gosh. would stop talking for like maybe three or four minutes. And I would get and they're like, are you mouthing the words to this? And I'm like, no. Um, so I've seen episode. Oh I've seen chapter one, like five, six times now. Wow. I've, I've seen chapter two, probably as many. And then chapter three, maybe like four times. Wow. I've yeah, I, I watched chapter one again with my dad um and that was the second time i saw chapter one was he like that's not that's how war is no he was busy building some shelves (laughs) (laughs) he's building some shelves and at the very end he was like what's that yoda and i said it's a baby yoda it's a little yoda. and then he went back to building shelves um yeah our dads i mean quite the supportive um parental units we have well you know yeah I know. <laughs> uh, so, I, yeah, my big takeaway from watching the chapter one again, just a quick touchback on last week's episode where I had mentioned that I think maybe some of the exposition about and from Dave Filoni's mouth, the Mandalorian Enclave is the name of that group or that location anyway. Um, I think some of the exposition in episode in chapter three could have been spread out between, you know, chapter one and chapter three, both of his visits to the Enclave. Um, in chapter one, he doesn't say this is the way that does not come up. So that that phrase doesn't debut until uh, chapter three. I'm pretty he sure he said it again in chapter four. Yeah. To someone who does not know or care what it means. Well, no, she cared about him. Yeah. And she was like, she, care about his she was like, I am a widow. And then um, she didn't ask any questions about how he has this boy that's clearly not his. Well, she doesn't know that. He didn't take his helmet off. Oh. (laughs) What if... Hear me out. I'm sure this is going to be really good. He takes off the helmet. He is a Yoda person. Or like three Yodas on top of each other. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I can't do this podcast with you anymore. So, speaking of Pillboy... I was going to say that! <laughs> Eugene Cordero! Um, Eugene Cordero, which, according to Star Wars Twitter, is the first Filipino actor in Star Wars. Huh. Um, which, I mean, I guess when you have any minority in Star Wars, it's the first time. <laughs> yeah. Because Star Wars yeah. is white. Um, yeah. But I was watching... Eugene Cordero is fantastic. I was thrilled to see him show up I was here. watching with my brother, and he was like, Yo, it's Pillboy! Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Yeah. Bill Boy from The Good Place. He also, Eugene Cordero has a podcast of his own, The Dumbbells. It's a fitness podcast that I listen to. It's pretty good. Really? Yep. Huh. He, we should invite him to a workout sometime. Yeah, I've thought about it, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want you to feel bad that I'm doing, like, less or slowing down because you're here. And, like, it's one of those, like, do you want me to slow down for you? Well, it's, or, it, he, like, he you know. from my understanding, um, Pillboy uh, Eugene is more of a talker and it's more of a communal thing, whereas um, our workouts are very brutal, very hard to watch. Yeah, yeah um, like old old german architecture yeah, just 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 brutal, like we don't talk you know like we talk with grunts um and lifting weights very heavily and loudly yeah but um i was very excited it was Pillboy, and then um there's another comedian um who was the, his friend okay yeah see i didn't i didn't recognize that guy oh my gosh um Asif Ali. Oh, I'm not familiar with him. Um, he is. Um, they did a spoof of Lost called Wrecked on TBS. Okay, yeah, um, I know that. And he, it, he is in that. Chipwrecked. Um, the the Chipmunk movie, Chipwrecked. You're talking about Chipwrecked. Actually, I take that back. While I'm racist, that is not the same person. Um, this guy. Oh! Oh, you're canceled, and now I'm winning. Uh, <laughs> um, this guy is a Malaysian. No, he's an Indian actor who predominantly does work in Malaysian films. Hmm. And I have no idea why he is in this episode. His entire film filmography <laughs> is like a bunch of movies I've never heard of. Eugene Cordero, also in Kong Skull Island. I... To your point, though, about, you know, so you said this guy's Malaysian? Uh-huh. No, he's and, he's Indian. You know, he's, he's Indian. Or, sorry, Indian. To be fair, that's not me being racist. That's just me not paying attention to Peter talking. Pete's still canceled. Um, I enjoyed this farming people. They talk about, you know, we've been here for generations, generations. This is our land. And I've often thought, like, in a lot of these fantasy and space movies and stuff, they still cling to, like... Everyone in any culture looks exactly the same, and it's still like a lot of homogenized groups. And I really thought it was neat that in this episode, this farming community, there's white people there, there's Filipino people there. Um, it was a diverse group of people, but they had, they all had roots there. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, it's just like, why not? Why don't they do that more often? Why are we, you know? As as wide reaching as fantasy and sci fi is, that we still cling to, you know, a lot of homogenized groups in these fantastical worlds, um, feels like a missed opportunity. So I thought it was really neat that they had all kinds of, um, you know, diverse people that all had called this place home and did for you know a long time. Yeah, they got roots in this krill pod. Generations, generations, generations of, of krill pods. Did that frog have one eyeball? Um, I was not looking. Um, I Give thought I thought the droid, the fishing droid, was really cool. I said the same thing. And my girlfriend totally ignored me. I was like, "That's a cool droid." Um, and Little I could not, for the life of me, remember who the raiders were, what alien they were. 
Um, they, until they look new, right? Nope. No. Uh-oh. Nope. Um, a friend of mine pointed it out. They're oh, they're no. Clatoonians. I knew that, and I don't know what that is. Um, I know that because I've seen the Lego set, but I didn't realize Clatoonian was something I should know. Um, they're it's like the so they're the dog like it's like a dog species, like a ugly dog species. Um, they had appearances in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. And really? and then they're in. Can you point me to a scene? No, um, but they're in two episodes of the Clone Wars TV show. R2 come okay. home in lethal trap. The bounty hunter. Yeah. The big bounty hunter with. Okay. And uh, right. lethal okay. track down. Yeah. But, um, the, the this third bounty hunter or whatever. That's with Aura Singh and Boba. And okay. they're also in a ton of resistance episodes. Um, so apparently there's one of them in. Yeah. He sells the food or whatever. Um, he sells those creatures. Yeah. So one of the merchants. Okay. So they're just, okay. they're like, um, they're orcs. Well, they're orcs, and they're also... They're straight orcs. They're basically just an underspecies that's like, you know, like, oh, this is an Outer Rim species. Like, the one that... The alien that um, Hondo is, is like, po- mm-hmm. you know, you know that was well-populated in the first episode of The Mandalorian. They had those just all over the place. When, well, Hondo is a weak way. Yeah, there was just weak ways left and right in that first episode. I thought it was a bunch of Nikdos. It might be. In the first episode. It might be. Which is Niku species. But also, I don't care that much. <laughs> it's not It's not something that I care about, so let's just stop talking about Look, I'm it. I'm eyeballing the pause screen on Death Stranding in my other room here. <laughs> Enough with the Death Stranding, all right? Like, <laughs> like... It doesn't make any sense. You have like a fetus attached to your stomach and you're like a mailman. Like, no, it's so it's weird. It's so I love dumb. It. Yeah, All I know. Right? I think I'm in the I'm, I think I'm in the bag for it. I think I'm I think I'm in the bag for it. It's, it's Look, so, I do so much running in real life that I like to be able to pretend to go walking. You know, that honestly sounds like a like Mad Lib gone horribly wrong and they turned it into a video game. <laughs> They're like, yeah. um, the the man went with the fetus attached to the stomach for his profession and as a mailman. speaking of the man, man going with the fetus attached to his stomach, the Mandalorian brings little Yanni to this village uh, with this widowed woman who is one of the farmers and her daughter. And he brings little Yanni, and Yanni has such a good time with the children. Um, Yanni has a great peace, time with the children. And he... Is able to talk Cara Dune into coming to assist him. Um, and while Yanni is having such a great little time, they establish that the dog people, right, Clutonians, have an ATST, which we do not see on the initial raid. The initial raid is just, you know, manpower, but they establish they have an ATST, so they launch into training the farmers to fight back, and they're going to. Trap the ATST in a battle ensues, yada yada, so on and so forth. Um, this is the plot to Seven Samurai, which is not a surprise. Again, Kira Kurosawa film. Kurosawa's influence on Star Wars is very profound and uh, preeminent. Um, it's it's the plot to Seven Samurai, but it's just two people. But it's it's funny to me that they are doing this because they are doing it again. Uh huh. 
Um, Clone Wars season two. Don't remember the episode number, but the episode is called Bounty Hunters. Is a retelling of Seven Samurai in which Anakin, Ahsoka, and Obi Wan crash oh, land. Oh, and uh, Ayla um, Sakura. No. Oh, uh, there's a second uh, one. Yeah, well, the one with the lemur people is not quite. Yeah, no, Ayla Sakura is in the one with the lemur people. Right, I'm not talking about the lemur people. Um, this one has Anakin and Ahsoka and, and Obi-Wan, and they crash land, and it's a farmer people. And Hondo Anaka, the previously mentioned pirate, Hondo, is holding up these farmers, and the farmers have hired bounty hunters to help them right. fend off the pirates, which is an introduction of Embo, Suki, who's a Darth Maul lady. Um, there's a few other bounty hunters there and they mount a defense and they teach the farmers and that episode, I mean, that episode was so on its face, seven samurai that I believe Kurosawa got a dedication in the credits. If not a straight up writing credit, Uh um, his, his name pops up, his name pops up in the, in the end credits of, um, that episode. So, I mean, it's a very compelling story. I mean, it's not, you know, Star Wars was not the first remake. The Magnificent Seven is a, a blatant remake of, of Seven Samurai. Uh-huh. And the remake of Magnificent Seven is a remake of a remake of Seven Samurai. Go figure. Um, but it is just funny. I, I did see an article on one of the geek culture websites I go to that was um, talking about how the Mandalorian has done something, uh, yeah, you know, about how it was, like, cutting edge or whatever, and I couldn't couldn't help but chuckle. That they're not that I have any, you know an issue with playing homage to these types of story because yeah, um, very Seven Samurai heavy. So they fend off the Tonians. Very cool fight sequence. I'm sure we'll touch on it in a second. Um, but he is gonna once again, second time in two episodes, old Mando's gonna leave Yanni behind this time so he can have a childhood and be happy. Um, and then who should show up but a weird elephant trunk nosed. Right, bounty hunter, uh, and they're not here for Mando, and they're not here for Cara Dune. They're here for little Yanni. Yeah, they're here for little Yanni. And the Mando learns the hard lesson that Yanni is not safe. It's not just—it's not the Mando that's putting Yanni in danger. Yanni is inherently in danger wherever he will be, and this is not like a short-term thing. This is not a matter of bringing this thing away from him, and then he will run away, and everyone will chase the Mando. They're not chasing the Mando. Guy had a clean shot. He didn't take it. He went Yanni. Mm-hmm. And so they depart. And they leave Cara Dune, which is like, what the no, heck? No, they'll see her again. They better. Yeah. They better. Um, the battle was real cool. Battle was interesting. Um, it really made me doubt their strategy because, like, I just watched the Mandalorian kill, like, 18 bounty hunters last episode and Mm -hmm. he didn't immediately just go for the walker to kill them all like maybe the walker was fortified or something but it's just like if it's this indestructible thing why wouldn't she just like jack it yeah pull the chewbacca but you know maybe that like they all sleep around it oh you mean like yeah at the base well yeah i mean i guess they don't know where at the base is located they go at night they don't really do a lot of recon they just go there and no well they at least havoc. oh no that's true because they they see i mean they should have done recon they I'm see sure, but they didn't. the um mud marks for the at for the atat or sorry the, right. for the not atat atst atst yeah. a chicken walker um 
and they have the red lights because I guess out that far out in Sorghum, if you like run out of your, your lights, they only had red ones left. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it could. And I, I had the same thought of, oh, it's got red lights inside. But I mean, we never see an ATSD at night. It could just be, you know, how the night vision works there. Um, it was an interesting effect. And it, yeah, it's, it's a curious case of scale where, you know, you see some, the ATSC is not presented as the most formidable thing. Yeah, and it's just like we watch, Jedi. we watch I mean, little. They get clowned well, a bunch. Like little bears take them out. And I'm like. Right. I mean, I, I, I can understand that Pillboy is not as capable as Ewoks. Like, that's perfectly reasonable right. to me. Yeah, we have no impression that Ewoks are farmers. The Ewoks appear to be hunters, and they're yeah, on their, they're uh, cannibals, and they yeah. you know kill everything, yeah. kill everything in sight. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but I really there's a scene where the you know they dig a pit in the in the water for the ATSD to topple into, and it's not having it. It's not going into the pile. Uh-huh. And Cara Dune grabs Mandalorian's rifle and like dives into the trench and holds up. Uh, along the lip of the trench and pops out intermittently to fire the ATSC. That was so freaking cool. I couldn't even stand it. I don't know. Just the way it was shot, the way it was acted, the intensity of it. I was so into that. Probably because it made me think of a Tough Mudder. I don't know. It was awesome. Second Tough Mudder reference in two episodes. Go ahead, cancel me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really liked Cara Dune. I really liked the action in this episode. Um... Was I wasn't was I wasn't fun. as big a fan of Cara Dune, but I'm going to mm-hmm. kind of reserve res, um, any more comments until like we see a couple more episodes with her. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just don't really know like if she really should have been sharing so much backstory with a guy that doesn't talk about his life at all. Well, and that kind of goes back to it, it's in line kind of with my some of my issues with the last episode and that I think sometimes this show does struggle with exposition and providing background. Even going back to the first episode, when he's learning to ride the Blurg, and Nick Nolte has that whole, like, you're a Mandalorian, your people rode the Mythosaur, and, like, it, I don't know, it makes sense, I guess, in context, but just the the way some background information is conveyed in this show has, has felt a little awkward at times mm-hmm. to me. And I don't know if that's maybe also what you're running into with Kara Dune. It was very quick where, I mean, she does, you know, she's like, well, I was at Endor and this and the other. And, you know, they go from wanting to murder each other to, yeah, she she drops like a lot of information in his lap um, very quickly. I mean, you know, maybe having Yanni along for the ride goes a long way in terms of building trust. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed Kara Dune quite a bit. I was... I, you know, I've been waiting for four episodes now. So when she showed up and she had that awesome fight, I was I was in. So I, was in. I hopefully. Not so the I've last got person. two more um, things. One, um, this was our second episode by a female director. Um, yes. Bryce Dallas Howard. And um, Bryce is Ron Howard's daughter um, who did mm-hmm. solo. Um, she has some directing background, but is relatively new. Um, not as new as Dave Filoni, but, um, I thought she did, you know, a good job. I feel like for all these directors, their stories are so small and compact that it's like super manageable for them. 
Because it's really only moving from, like, two or three set pieces, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and I, I can appreciate, yeah, they're, I don't want to say sparse, because that has a negative connotation. Whatever the positive connotation for sparse is, though. But these these episodes are, you know, by and large, very straightforward stories, which I appreciate. And it, it gives room for um, character and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought it was a solid episode. I thought she did a good job directing in as much as I can tell what a, any given director does. Um, yeah, I, thought, I think the direction so far this season has been really on point. Uh, I do think... This was the longest episode so far of The Mandalorian. It was at 41 minutes. I think the first episode was 40. Um, I think that second episode is still my favorite. I think episode two and three are like like the two that I really have enjoyed so far. Um, mm-hmm. Next week's episode is um, we got to talk about chapter this. five. Um, they have not titled it yet. Um, no, the Mandalorian helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. Hmm. So his head. So not Cara Dune. So, so far, I think it's Bill Burr. Every episode of this show has been written by enemy of the show. Listen to Bow Boys back episodes. You'll figure it out. John Favreau. Deep, deep enemy of the show. Uh, got ties going back a long way filled with hatred. Episode 5 is written by Dave Filoni and directed by Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni is returning to direct, and he wrote Episode 5. And this is the first episode that was not written by John Favreau. Probably is going to be the best one. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited for it. I'm a huge Dave Filoni fanboy, so we already got to see him kind of do his, his live-action directing debut, and then now he's writing and directing. Some of my all-time favorite Star Wars has been... Um, written and directed by Dave Filoni throughout Clone Wars and Rebels. So, very pumped for that. The episode after that is also not written by John Favreau. Um, it's got a story by Christopher Yost, uh-huh. who has written um, some comic books and some movies. And then the teleplays by Christopher Yost and Rick Fumiyua, who's returning to direct. He directed episode two, which is my favorite. And then we have Deborah Chow returning. To direct episode seven, which goes back to be written by Johnny F. And then the finale, chapter eight, Taika Waititi is directing. And then we'll be done having to do two podcasts a week. And it will be good. Yes. (laughs) Bye.